you know, he was probably one of the only people when I quit college that, you know, everybody kept giving me a hard time and just giving me a hard time. And I just, you know, like, man, I just want everybody just leave me alone. Like, I'm not going back to school. Just this is what I want to do. Can we just embrace that and move forward, you know, kind of thing. And, Welcome back to the Section K Podcast. Today's Tuesday, January the 14th. We've got a heater of an episode today. We're going to break down the champions from the 2020 Abilene Spectacular, the first cutting of the decade. Congratulations to all the folks that had success out in Abilene, Texas. We also have Mr. Wesley Gallion on the podcast this week. Wesley just surpassed the $4 million mark in the cutting horse pin, had some success out at the Abilene Spectacular, we talk all things Spots Hot. Um, really just Wesley Gallion in general. It was really cool to listen to Wesley tell some stories after we had had Bo on the show earlier this year. So thanks for tuning in today, and we hope you enjoy the show today. This episode is brought to you by OK Brand Fencing. Committed to providing the highest quality fencing products at the most competitive prices since 1979. A family-owned and operated company headquartered in Medill, Oklahoma, OK Brand is proud to provide 100% American-melted and American-made fencing products. Whether it's max tight horse for your turnouts, horse panels for your stall, or barbed wire and field fence for your cattle, OK Brand is the brand to trust. OK Brand Fencing. Ask for it by name at your favorite farm and ranch fencing supplier. Learn more online at okbrand.com. Unseasonably warm temperatures. This year's 2020 Abilene Spectacular. If you were out in Abilene cutting, you might have been cold like one or two days. I feel like it was the last day. Yeah, there was the snow uh, that last day of the of the amateur finals. It's not Abilene without a little snow. Yeah, yeah. I, saw that shout out everyone that put that on their snapchat story uh just in case you were wondering just in case you were wondering but overall looked like a great cutting that the goalies put on uh to get the year started as they always do we started out the four-year-old open it's always fun to to look at the abilene spectacular results and watch uh, the cutting out in Abilene just after the Futurity Finals. Look to see what horses are for real coming coming off the open Futurity in Fort Worth and, of course, Adon Banuelos, Mr. Horse Training, son of a gun, uh, co-champs with the hammer himself, James Payne. Adon rode Iridescent, and James Payne rode, rode Stole a Kiss. Uh, Iridescent is owned by the Brumball Ranches, and Stole a Kiss is owned by none other than Kathleen Moore. The five six-year-old Open champion, Mr. Bo Gallion, rode Billy Wolf's Metallics MVP with a first-hold draw. Came out and marked a 227, one of the better runs I've seen uh, in a while. Metallic's MVP looked really good, I thought. Um, of course, Lloyd Cox, Ms. Baby Cakes were your reserve champs in the 5-6 Open. The 4-year-old Limited Open and the 5-6 Limited Open really were the Rodrigo Toboga show. Rodrigo was first and second in the 4-year-old Limited Open, won the championship on Sanctus for Scott Durham, marked a 226 and was also reserve on metallic time for his boss and his wife, Ashley Gallion. 
He marked a 220 on that one. In the 5-6 limited open, there's Metallic Royal Mate again. Horse that was a Western Bloodstock season cutting horse sale graduate. Uh, sold from the Nail Ranch and is now in the Belter Ranch, his hands. Uh, Metallic Royal Mate and Rodrigo marked a 224. And of course, Rodrigo was reserve in the 5-6 limited open aboard Rocky Mountain Blues for Selena Barbosa. So big congratulations to all the open champions out at the Abilene Spectacular. What were y'all's thoughts on getting the year started? 2020s here and the cutting horse events are in full swing, guys. Obviously, since it's the first aged event of the year, I mean, we still won't know a whole lot till the middle of the year on horse of the year or, uh, or any of that jazz. But uh, Adon's horse, Iridescent, uh, looked really good in the four-year-old or he's co-champion against uh, James Payne. K-Rudd, like you said, Metallic's MVP looked really good. It was a really, really tough run. His first cut, I mean, kind of when he started, it looked like it was maybe going to be a mess, and it he just Bo uh, magically was able to get a cut clean relatively, and I mean, it was just a good run. Yeah, that 5-6 open was just super tough in general. It took to, took a 220 and a half to go back to the finals. There was a lot of good horses that marked a 220 and didn't advance to the finals. And just kind of piggybacking off what you were saying, CBL, about Metallic's MVP, uh, that 227 was a hell of a run. But we kind of talked on the group text after he showed in the first round. And I think he – what did he mark in the – 221 or something, I think. I think he just... 21 and a half, yeah, maybe? Yeah, he had a great run, but he... I think his second cow, he cut it for like 45 seconds, and it got dirty at the end, and he kind of had a half miss. You could call it a miss if you want. I mean, he was having a, a four or a five run easy, I thought, uh, before that little miss happened. So, sorry to interrupt you, CBO, but that was just one of my... You were talking about the 5-6 open and, and MVP. That run in the first round was, was definitely one of the highlights, too, of the show. And then I think that, which and that's another thing, K-Rod, you've already mentioned, but uh, Rodrigo Taboga, he had a huge show, had seven horses uh, in the limited finals total. And uh, I, I, I think that, I don't know, for the limited class, especially in the open, I, I think that, like we've said in the past, or that I've said in the past, that I just I think it's a good deal to have another class in the open uh, where people are able to show because especially Abilene is an example. It took a 20 and a half. Is that correct? To make the five, six. Yes, sir. Open. Yeah. So given everybody else, some, or some of those other guys that aren't even uh, close to winning the same amount of money as some of those guys that made the actual open finals to have a class. Uh, I, I just, I think it's good. And I mean, obviously Rodrigo's, on the spotlight right now uh he's a beast but, but once once he's out of it there's going to be it's going to be someone else that'll step up there and, and there could be it's the first show of the year uh there could be someone that steps up there and is competing in the limited uh right there against rodrigo too yeah that's one of the things that i was excited to see was just how the leveling and the limited and all that was going to work and how well, it was received and how many people went and showed in it. I think it's something that's being talked about doing at the Super Stakes this year. So I feel like it's a good idea to kind of get our feet wet with some of this leveling and see how the class structure works, what works best, what doesn't, and 
and just see how the entries go from there. I mean, if it's supposed or <clears throat> if it works like we think it's supposed to, then we're going to start seeing an increase in entries, which I think Abilene was an increase in entries too. So well, definitely from last year, because I don't know if you guys remember, but the entries at Abilene last year were down tremendously. It was really a slow year out there i think at the winter circuit and the aged event i know it was a surprise if there was a working finals at that show last year so it was great to see all the people show up and support the 2020 abilene spectacular thought thought it was a great show and looked like bo galleon and rodrigo just carried on they've been working over christmas most definitely Big congratulations to your non-pro and amateur champions. Not the Abilene Spectacular, the four-year-old non-pro champion, Lance Cooper in Whiskey Makes Me Frisky, marked a 224. In the five, six-year-old non-pro, Cool and Hot and Paula Wood continued their winning ways, marked a 222 and a half. In the five, six-year-old amateur, Sadie Simpson, she was double champs. In the five, six-year-old regular amateur, as well as the mid-level, marked a 224. In the regular amateur, and marked a 222 in the mid-level. The four-year-old mid-level amateur champion was Ty Bacha and MC Hammer Time. That's a rad name. Your limited amateur champions in the five six-year-old Pharrell and Connor Southworth marked a 218. And your four-year-old limited amateur champion Scott Jones and Royal Stray Cat. Once again, big congratulations to all that had success out of the 2020 Abilene Spectacular. Congrats are also in order for some big-time cutting horse trainers that surpassed some million-dollar marks during the 2020 Abilene Spectacular, one being Mr. Adon Banuelos, just went over the $3 million mark, uh, the second one being Mr. Bo Gallion, somebody that's been on the Section K podcast before, surpassed the $4 million mark, and the third being the guy you're about to listen to on this podcast, Mr. Wesley Gallion. He also surpassed the $4 million mark. I thought it was really cool that Bo and Wesley both, being brothers, surpassed that $4 million mark there at the exact same time during the exact same show. Um, Like Wesley talks about on this interview, uh, they've been working together for a long time. Uh, They've competed against one another for a long time. So it was really cool and gave us a, another awesome reason to go ahead and put out this chat we had with Wesley during the fraternity at this 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 year's past fraternity. Um, after we recorded this interview, Wesley's wife Kristen went on to win the 2019 non-pro fraternity, riding Courageous, and that horse was sired by Dual Ray out of a, another great mare uh, that Wesley's trained a lot of great horses out of a highbrow super cat and that leads me to another horse that we didn't even really talk about in this interview but uh button down super cat wesley was texting me uh, this past weekend and definitely wanted me to make note that highbrow super cat means the world to him and he would not be where he is and uh, been able to win as many championships that he's won in the cutting pin had it not been for that mare and of course highbrow super cat what she's gone on to produce and what she did herself in the show pin speaks for itself so um, we hope you guys really enjoy this interview. Uh, it was fun to do. Uh, you guys have any thoughts on this interview before we let the people hear it? It's crazy to watch all these trainers just um, winning more money than they ever have, really. like, I mean, last year we had two trainers win over 600000 I think, with Adon and Lloyd. And 
and then to get to four million at such young ages like i mean that stuff was never even heard of and it's just really cool to be in that era of cutting and it's really tough and uh two out of the three of these guys that uh just went over million dollar marks um both won an event you know and it's just how tough cutting is and how tough it's getting yeah and i think uh all three of those guys, I think it's easy to say that they're right on track to, in their careers, being at the top. Uh, and Adon, uh, he's been up at the top the, uh, the last two years uh, for Rider of the Year. He won in 2018, and he was second in 2019, so he's been... He's been doing really good, and I mean, he's a good showman, and he trains horses really good. And uh, I think, I think this, and too, uh, with what Cody's saying is, I think that maybe here pretty soon, uh, I, I'm sure there's someone that's won a million in a year because they had those those shows that were before my time that they called the Millionaire Cuttings. I don't know exactly how what the details were behind those shows, but I think within I don't know five ten years you you're, we're maybe going to see someone go over a million dollars in uh earnings in a year from the shows that how we have set up and maybe it may be helped out by another big show coming along that is two hundred thousand added or something or the fatalities goes up some but i think that uh i mean like with lloyd going over seven hundred thousand this year i mean we're not that far off from it so yeah absolutely another cool fact i thought that went along with all three of these guys is they got their start in the non-pro they're all sons of horse trainers adon banuelos i've talked about on this show but i remember watching him when he was still in the non-pro when i was getting my start cutting and he was showing mr ed hardy and reed's instant magic and and purring like magic and all those great horses sired by abracadabra and and those horses that, that his family had raised and man it's just cool to see and you're about to hear Wesley talking about being a non-pro and, and making that jump. So I thought it was interesting that all three of those guys got their start in, in the youth, in the non-pro, and have eventually worked their way up to having unbelievable programs and having big-time customers that dole out huge amounts of cash to buy really good horses and, and look where it's gotten them. So we hope you guys enjoy this interview with the newly crowned $4 million man. Wesley Gallion. Welcome back to the Section K podcast. Today we bring you an interview with a man that was the 2004 Open Futurity champion aboard Spots Hot. He is still to this day the youngest person to ever win the Open Futurity. He was also the 2010 Open Reserve champion aboard Some Like It Hot. And in 2013, your Open Super Stakes champion aboard He's a Hot Cat. This man just recently crossed the $4 million mark in the Cutting Horse Arena. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Wesley Gallion. Wesley, welcome to the Section K Podcast. How are you today? Uh, everything's going great. Thank you for having me. Hey, thanks so much for taking the time. I feel like we've been wanting to interview you for the last like four big-time shows that we've been at, and we just haven't been able to get all together and be all in the same time at once so this is super awesome i'm i'm really happy that um we finally are getting time to sit down and visit about some of your horses and of course the great horse spots hot i feel like 
a lot of people that have come on this show, whether it's Chiquita Pistol or Spots Hot, um, when it comes to we've had the favorite horse chats and stuff like that, and I feel like those were two pretty popular um, horses that people either submitted or told me um, on the side that were their favorite horses. So for me, I'm really excited to kind of hear all about Spot and hear about that futurity. So first and foremost, how did you get into cutting and kind of what's the, what's the genealogy on the Galleon family when it comes to when it comes to cutting? Um, well, I was raised into it. My dad did it. My granddad also did it. And um, Kenneth Galleon. For yes, those Kenneth Galleon. Yep. yep. And um, so since an early age, I just I knew I always wanted to do this and I, I loved it. And uh, it was just such a thrill. And uh, this is really all I've ever wanted to do. Did you play sports throughout school, high school and and into college or anything like that? Yeah, I played uh, basketball and football um, all through school uh, and through high school. And uh, I loved playing sports. It was kind of my thing. I didn't do the horses year-round. I'd play basketball and football. And then uh, in the summer, I'd go ride horses with Dad and, and everything like that. Did you um, end up going to college, or did you pretty much know that you wanted to ride cutting horses when you are growing up? Yeah, I pretty much knew that I wanted to ride um, horses all my life, but, uh, I, you know, we, we've kind of got a funny story on that. I always dreamed of playing basketball, and, of course, I ended up only being 6'1", so it was kind of like all the D1 offers were like, you're too short kind of thing, you know. And so after that, I just really wanted to go and do the horses. And, um, you know, of course, my parents were they were pretty adamant that, hey, you're going to college, and you're going to go do that. And... I tried to plead my case and it just didn't work and so we, I went up to school for um, a little while <laughs> and uh, and uh, I ended up quitting and uh, after a few weeks and, and um, I stayed up there and I, you know, just played basketball and, and stuff like that and, and I guess I had a good time and we, uh, my parents ended up finding out and they asked me and I told them, I said, yeah, I quit and and uh were you they, 19 at the time yes i was 19 at the time and and they were not too happy about it <laughs> but i was you know i was just like man I, I told you guys i didn't want to go this is you know cutting horses all i wanted to do and I, I was born for this you know i mean this is what i want to do and uh so they weren't too happy to hear that but um and then you know we come into the sport and of course everybody tells you you know like man you made a big mistake you shouldn't be doing this go to school get an education all that and I just you know I guess didn't listen I just I just felt like I was born for this I just meaning I just love this so much this is all I ever wanted to do so how many years after uh you quit school did you ride spot top yeah well I was 21 years old when I won the fraternity um on spot and he was uh we raised him and uh, I showed his mother for a year um, we had her for a year and then sold her, and um, during that time, Dad was, we were going to get two embryos, and Dad wanted to breed his to play gun. I wanted to breed mine to Chula Duel because I got to show him a couple times in the youth, and I just loved how physical um, and strong that horse was and real cowy. And um, so he ended up saying, hey, we can only get one out of her. What do you think? What do we all do? And I was like, well, you know, I just, I love Chula Duel. And, and so we ended up breeding to him, and and then um, you know he just he he become just a tremendous blessing. I mean, more than anything, he just you know it's funny. I kind of you know in that time frame, I always kind of prayed 
for a great horse. I didn't know, you know, like to specify what kind of great horse. I just kind of prayed for a great horse. And then here he comes along and, and he was just uh, really just a freak of nature. Um, specimen, I always called it. You know, it's like Bo always said it the best way. You know, when he'd work, he looked like a shark in the water, the way he could move back and forth through himself and, and, and everything like that. And he, he was just, it was a tremendous great journey on that horse. What about you or yourself training a horse that dynamic at an early stage in your training career? How much did that horse help you learn some things that maybe would have taken a little longer to learn if you didn't have him so early? Yeah, he was, you know, the thing is when I quit college and we started working horses, dad happened to say, hey, you know, you need to go ride with another trainer too and, and at the time you know of course that was in the 2000s and, and Matt Gaines was sure really hot and um, you know kind of him and Paul I feel like kind of changed the game during that time frame um, of just kind of going a different path in the, in the training styles and I didn't know I didn't know any of these people you know of course you know because I was just off doing my own thing all the time and so he's just like why don't you go stay with Matt and so I went down there and stayed um, with him a little bit and got to working and and it was great because dad was such a great horseman and he could get any horse in the world to cut and and to manipulate him into cutting and and all that and matt Gaines has really brought uh, a lot of structure for me of you know just really discipline and and just structure and how a horse should stop and how a horse should turn around and 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 everything like that for me so i really went to working at that and and trying to i guess you'd say you know mold my craft after that and and just I knew I had a tremendous amount of work ahead of me and and what I needed to do to to be good or be successful you know there was I felt like it was an enormous mountain ahead of me and and it took a lot of work to get there uh, between him and you know even when Bo quit college and you know we just watched a lot of video and and tried to just yeah get as good as we can be and and a spot came along he was just kind of like wherever you put him and showed him to go, that's exactly how he would do it. You know, it's just like, hey, you, you come over here, you stop, you draw, and and then you go with the cow. And he's just that's what he did, you know. And so it was. Uh, there were so many things I didn't know, yeah. you know, in the experience of it, um, you know, and that's what was so hard, kind of going into that fraternity. Luckily, that whole year, I had a mare that I showed that year, the same year, uh, that was a year older in spot. But I got non-pro horse of the year on her. Her name was High Kitty Kitty, and she really let me like go through all those shows, and and we won some shows and got not, you know it helped me really figure out where to go in a show pen and how to show and you know how to get tough and you know gritty and all that kind of stuff. And then when he came along, he was just I knew that he was a freak of nature and great. And now it was just like now it's all on you, Wes. Or you're going to be good enough to be able to maximize on how good he is and that can be a scary thing because you know I always felt like that horse deserved so much because he was so great I didn't know if I could you know be able to get him to be as as good as he can be and um but it was just a, it was a great journey you know just getting to work him every day I mean I just I loved it um it, it was just a great journey going into that futurity the pre-works and you know once we're here at this Futurity, you know, you're always going to face a lot of adversity some point in time. I showed him in both classes, 
and um, you know I faced a lot of adversity in a non-pro not so much in the open you know I cut a lot of bad cows in a non-pro and and then I eventually you know came and made the finals in the non-pro and the first cow you know we're maybe winning the cutting and then the second cow was kind of tough and I got to kicking on him I was just trying too hard and end up getting a miss or two like I think two misses and then my third cow wasn't good end up getting fourth place on him and then the semifinals was right the next night of the open and so I went and watched my video and you know I saw that I was like hey the first cow we we're you know maybe winning the cutting or what in and then I got in the way you know after that and that was that was all on me that was my fault and so I just told myself the next night you know, it's just like, hey, you know, just get up out of the herd, just get your hand down and stay out of his way and see what comes of it. And then, you know, that night, um, I think we were first in a set too, so that was a little bit nerve-wracking, but he came out and, you know, he had a 223 in the semifinals. And, you know, like I watched that video today and it's, you know, man, our cows weren't not, not that great of cows. They were booking it. and yeah. But that horse was just, he was just that great. So then fast forward to the next night and just tell us how basically overcoming how you felt all year thinking, you know, I, I might not be good enough for this horse and then actually persevering. And, or and three win. years raising it and seeing him seeing him come all the way through. Yeah, exactly. And then winning the fraternity and especially at 21 years old. Yeah, man, it was uh, – I remember we had a practice work uh, there in a the practice pen and I, I probably just worked like two cows. He, he, he felt really good and really ready, like really sharp and almost, you know, trying too hard. So I just, we quit him. And um, then the finals, I remember I was last in the first set and Roger Wagner was, he had a pretty good draw in that set. Um, and he went, and that was, might've been the nervous I was. He was having a great run. And I knew um, it was kind of that year, him and Spot and one time Pepto were kind of the three, I guess, top dogs there. and. He had a great run. I mean, really. That was on Quentin Blue. Quentin Blue, yeah. yes. And uh, that buzzer rang, and I was like, "Wow, that was that was impressive." Um, and they marked it at 222, and I just felt like, "Hey, you know that that means they left room right there." As great as that run was, they left room. Um, especially back then, they were just so tight on the numbers. And so I was last in the first set, and I remember getting on my horse, dry working him before the, right behind the judge's stand. He felt great. I turned him like two or three times and I kind of took my hat off, wiped my head and just, you know, there's, there's this feeling like, you know, like, man, are you good enough to do this? And, you know, you just kind of take a deep breath and you just say, yeah, I am, let's go. And, um, and then we went down there and, um, first cow was a so-so and then the second cow was kind of not that great of cow really tried to run us over and take and he just was kind of just gripping and ripping it and then my third cow we i came out and i knew we just come right through the herd and i think there was about 33 seconds to go when i dropped my hand on that third cow and it felt like an eternity <laughs> it really did i'm telling you but about halfway through that third cow you know, I started getting goosebumps up my back and down my arms and I could feel it. And I felt like my body just got paralyzed feeling, you know, like you just felt like you could barely hang on that the nerves were kind of going through you so much. And then 
but it was just the most amazing feeling that I've ever felt on this, you know, like professionally on this earth besides, you know, the course being, you know, with my wife and the birth of my kids and, and that kind of thing. But professionally, it, it, it felt like you were just in between earth and heaven. I mean, that you were just like the feeling that you felt just going up your back and just inside you was just absolutely outrageous. And then when that buzzard rang, it just was like, it felt like I could fell off the horse you know I was just like oh thank god you know that was uh so it was it was this it was a great nine it was a huge blessing and it was just a tremendous amount of fun how early on do you remember obviously you called him a freak of nature and what was there a certain point in time whether it was the first time you threw a saddle on him or early on in the two-year-old year what was the point in time when you knew like this was this horse was the business you know, I just really, you know, I was so naive that, you know, I didn't see a lot of great horses like you see now, you know. And so I remember seeing him in my head, you know, like as a yearling in the pasture, you know, just the way he'd walk around. And I was just thinking, man, that horse looks special. You know, he's so beautiful. He just looks like a special horse. And then when we started breaking him, he, he you know, he never he never bucked a day in his life ever. And um, he was always good-minded. He was if anything he was always a little bit scared of other horses which i think is a good thing with a stud um and he just yeah he never bucked he he um and we just started him and he seemed move like he was just like could just move really easy in the round pen and uh he, you know he just was great another dynamic horse that both you and your wife kristen have had a lot of success on uh, you were the open reserve fraternity champion on this mare some like it hot um a, a spots hot offspring um, talk a little bit about her and uh, what she she was like to train and ride and show. Yeah, she was you know she was a little bit different. She wasn't really she didn't remind me a, a lot of him you know because she was a little bit of a little mare you know on that um, on Sue's side on our bottom side all those mares were kind of smaller, but she was she was really mighty. I mean she wasn't very big, but she you couldn't hardly like fix her at times like when you're working on a cow because she'd just take the bridle from you and just keep on working the cow. So she was real cowy and, and just had a lot of lot of try on it. Um, she was just kind of, you know, just different. You know, she had a lot of just flash and real cowy inside that cow. And, and um, I, you know, the year I was second on her there at the Futurity, it was, you know, there were some great horses at, you know, Stylish Martini and Smooth Peanut Butter. And then Lloyd won it on um, one-time royalty. And that was, you know, that was an awesome run. Your brother-in-law? Yeah. So explain how much of that feeling resonates now that you've shown his offspring and how special he was obviously but then how cool it is to see his offspring go on and, and do something and and basically kind of come full circle in a sense because you thought he was a good horse when he was a yearling out there in a pasture and then now he's actually left a mark in the industry yeah you know it makes you proud to see you know whenever you have that kind of success on a horse and and, and you know like i I loved Spot, you know, and like, and he loved me, and meaning, you know, like I could take his bridle off and be in the practice pen and walk around, and and he, you know he would just he would follow right beside me, and he'd always kind of lay his, you know, his his nose like on my arm, like he'd kind of reach out like that to kind of lay his head on my arm, and that was kind of a weird, like you'd feel like he's gonna bite you or nick, but he would just it was like he just had to touch you, and so he just he he'd follow me anywhere like a dog, and. So just to see some of his babies do what they've done and, and you know, of course, Hoddish going on to be great and then his babies being great too, you know, it's just, 
you know, I guess you're like a proud papa or something. You know, you're just proud to see, you know, through history that he's going to be always recognized. And now you know how Jody and oh, Kenneth feel. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know for sure, for sure. Another really cool horse that is one, one that I really love to watch you show was Little Rattler. I feel like we could sit here and ask you questions about mares and horses all day, but talk a little about Little Rattler. Uh, both you and Steve both had success on, on that horse. Yeah, she was she was a great mare. She you know her thing was she was a big strong mare, um, but she she was her IQ was really really high. She was very intelligent of how she could rate a cow. Um, you know, like early on as a three year old and everything, like I knew she was going to be good, but like you guys might have watched her and she wasn't like super fancy or anything like that. But you could just feel the way that she could rate and read a cow, and um, and you know that ended up coming over to the uh, show pen and. You know, we had Stephen, you know, won the Super Stakes uh, there in that five- and six-year-old class back-to-back -back years. And um, I think I was third on her or something like that at the Super Stakes or four-year-old year. And, and, you know, had you know she ended up winning, I don't know, 350000 yep. or somewhere in there. Yep. And I think I was second on her in the slot cutting. And uh, she, she was just a great, great mare. You know, just really pure and really smart. Another spot's hot offspring that – I love to watch work, and one year wife won some championships on Harley. Um, was that one of the first yep. corn crops of the of the Spots Hot Babies, I believe? Yeah, sure was. And I think that first year we only bred like 10, and, you know, there was to, you know, like three of them were to like smart little Lena mares that, you know, we had that hadn't won like $1,000. And um, Harley was – he was one of those horses, you know, he won a couple hundred thousand, but that horse, um, it's kind of like I didn't know what I had quite at the time, and he was a little bit more, he'd get real, like he'd try so hard, he'd get real worked up, and I kind of didn't know how to, at that point in time, manage that, um, you know, of getting him slowed down and calm-minded, but he he was, might have been the best one that we've, we've ever had that was a son of Spot. I mean, he could really... He, he was a really special horse of what he could do. And then he unfortunately kind of got hurt, um, you know, with a suspensory problem. And then it just kind of, we only showed him, I think his five and six year old year, probably a total of, you know, six times that five and six year old year. Um, but he, he really was a special horse. Kristen, I think she won the non-pro derby on him, I believe. I just remember, I think it was the semis and the finals, both those runs. I just remember, yeah. like, after watching him in the semis, thinking, like, I had to be in there to watch that horse yeah. in the final. Just how bright he was on a cow and oh, how was, easy everything was for him and just how pretty he was. Yeah. He, and I just I love that horse. His electricity was, I mean, he was outrageous what he could do and just get down on his belly and get left and right. And she won, the, I believe, the limited non-pro and the non-pro there that derby year. And, yeah, he was, he was a special horse. Well, and he continues to be a special horse because now he's uh, the kid's cutting – participant all every year at the bi so yeah absolutely and i tell you a funny story a couple of years ago steven wanted to go show a little rattler at some of these merkia deals and it was awesome fun and so we told chris and you know we haven't showed him in like six years and we're like well we just kind of get him a little bit legged up and you can come with us and have fun and so we go to like three or four of them and and uh she never missed the finals on him like <laughs> she yeah i mean it was crazy she won like 15 grand or 10 or 15 grand and never even missed the finals on him at all of them and you know how tough those cows yeah. get there and it was just like well he just made it look easy you know <laughs> uh 
so it was great um the 2013 super stakes that was a pretty big show for you you won the um open super stakes on he's a hot cat but i think another super impressive um accomplishment at that show was uh all three of your horses in the five six-year-old you got back to the finals and all three of your horses in the four-year-old you got back to the finals so Talk a little bit about what goes into coming to a show, knowing you're entered on six head, and just kind of the pressure that, I mean, it's super hard to, to come here and bat a thousand on all the horses you're entered on. So talk a little bit about that 13 super stakes, obviously capped off by winning the whole deal on He's a Hot Cat, but I think the making all the horses back to the finals is a pretty cool feat in and of itself. Yeah, I think, um, you know, my thing is, every horse that I have I try to figure out a way how to maximize on their ability and a lot of that comes with passion and drive and push and and that's what I try to do on all my horses and and try to find that red line of how far is too far and not far enough and all that so whenever I'm going I I, you know I give it 110 percent on every single horse that I show and and just and prepare too you know so much of it goes into the preparation not just there at that show but just the preparation going into that show of just you know giving it everything you have and and having those horses just really ready and and really seasoned and and um then once you get there you know not be trying to you know say hey i got to go do good just meaning like hey we've prepared we've done everything we can these are good horses now it's time to just go let it rip and not um try to you know be tight about it you know can just go show with no fear and just however it goes it goes and just give it everything you have is that something is that kind of your mentality when you walk down there and probably especially in the finals but like just go down there like there's no cow in here that i'm worried about and and we're going to do the best we can we're going to cut for the biggest check or yeah absolutely i you know i always kind of tell myself you know you try to get a game plan on the cows but then I always kind of tell myself, no matter what, up and away, up and away, up and just, you know, so when I go down there in the finals, you know, there's so many great horses, so many great trainers. Um, I just try to know to just give it my all, meaning like, here we come. We're going to try to just let loose and we're going to try gonna to go, go down swinging. If yeah, you do. we're going to go. We're not going to be conservative and, you know, try to shoot a par, get a bow. I mean, like we're going for everything that we can get. And whatever we can get out of that, that's what we're going to get out of that. But every horse I go down there, I try to, especially in the finals, I'm like, hey, this is our free ride now. This is, the semis was tough, but now we're here. This is our free ride. Now just just let it rip and just see what this horse is made of and what we're made of and see how it falls. We didn't come here to lay up. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. So. Um, I'd be a fool not to talk about the pleasure horses, I think. Um, we've all seen whether it's social media or talking to your your lovely wife Kristen, um, or seeing her loping around in the background. Yeah, lady VS Code Red, or uh, is that the stud? Lady in Red. Is that yeah, the way well, she's got two stud VS Code Red and VS Flatline, and then um, she she always rides some daughters and boys. What's, what's the mare that she just won the world on up there at uh, Oklahoma City? Lady, we call her, and she and she's been a great mare for. Her. She she bought her as a as a weanling, and. Um, she, she's just been great she's you know what she's done and accomplished you know Kristen's kind of been like I say and that and that you know that where she's like a living legend you know and she's still young she's done everything and set every record in that deal and and uh, it's been pretty amazing to watch her 
uh, do that. And then it's been pretty amazing, you, you know, to see her come to this world. And it, it's a different gear, you know, you just a different mindset, different gear that you've got to change and and see her to come over here and be as successful as she's been in this deal. It's it's really cool and to see you know to get to watch her do all those things and then helping run a pretty successful full-time business up there at the car dealership at jim glover's too i know she takes that that uh whole deal pretty serious too yeah absolutely she works five days a week and she i mean she helps run that thing and she is extremely busy and and she's you know yeah she really stays after it and they you know, between that and, and the kids and putting up with me and <laughs> and the pleasure horse world and the pleasure studs and you know, it's like we're we're strapped on <laughs> on the what else we can do. So is the arena stuff different for pleasure riding? Does she change anything up to ride her pleasure horses there at the house or is it pretty much all doable in all the facilities you have? Like you can Well just- she she kind of will kind of joy ride there and, and work on them as much as she can. But, you know, since she kind of works five days a week, she'll usually uh, send them to a trainer and, and you know, they'll, they'll be kind of keeping them tuned I up and, and everything like that. And then she'll go to the shows and, and uh, get after it there. Take all their ribbons, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How different is it to go to the, like, to be a spectator in the pleasure horse world? I know your family, um, the galleons have been in the pleasure horse world for a long time, but how how much different is it to go to one of those events and then be at a cutting event? I'm sure you'll be a crazy pleasure horse dad here before too long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, my girls are yeah they're kind of getting into it too, so that that's cool. Yeah, it's kind of a you know it's it's yeah it's definitely a different gear. You kind of go there and you're not having to get any horses ready or whatever. You're just kind of there for her, supporting her and watching her kind of do her thing, and she loves doing it. So. Obviously, your dad's been a fraternity champion, and your brother's a fraternity champion, and you have been as well. How much do you guys um, work together, or feed off each other, or uh, um, go for advice and, and help each other throughout this whole deal? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think that's helped us really succeed more than anything. Is you know, we when Bo came home from college, and um, he he played golf at University of Arkansas for four years and, and I could kind of tell um, when he came home he's kind of talking about hey I'm going to rest and then kind of get going back going on the tour or try to get qualified for the tour and do that deal and and you could kind of tell you know like why he was there he just kind of was burnt out of it I think is kind of what my read on it was just kind of reading him a little bit and so I was just like, hey, you know, why don't you come out, you know, we're working horses, why don't you come out and ride every day? And then, like, he started coming out and riding every day, and, and then he kind of, like, started having a lot of fun and kind of loving it, too. And so we ended up, you know, started, let's see, that would have been, I think High Kitty Kitty would have been, that would have been 03, I believe. He would have been there. 02 or 03. Yeah, 03, it had been 03. Um, so he, he came, and, and uh, we you know he had his you know his camera that he'd film himself in golf and so then he started you know doing that with us and and all three of us me dad and him and we started videoing every day and and you started seeing hey here's your flaws this is what you're doing wrong and everything like that and so we we just kind of we didn't have nothing else to do so we i mean we videoed every single day it seemed like and and then we'd come back and eat lunch and watch videos and and do all that and we just kept continuing to all three talk and just work on the little things of getting better and better and and then pretty soon it just continued to 
get better, especially the year for spot. You know, Dad had a Black Widow, and then Bo uh, had Highlight Cat there that year at the Futurity. And this episode is brought to you by Equine Extreme Performance. EXP offers an all-natural, drug-free supplement built for the equine industry. They have built these products using cutting-edge technology to deliver the highest quality product available to you and your horse. How do they know it is right for your horse? Because EXP was designed by horsemen and they understand what your horse needs. EXP relates to every aspect of your business, especially the health of the horse. EXP was designed by Hall of Fame trainer Matt Miller who has won over $3.4 million in the cutting pin. Visit expequine.com and enter Section K at checkout to receive 10% off your next EXP order. That's promo code Section K to receive 10% off your next order at expequine.com. After that fraternity, you were a non-pro that year when you won the fraternity. You got your apprentice card and then... uh, basically you were a trainer for that one year and then after that is when you became a full-time trainer is that correct no that's that's not entirely correct um so after i won the fraternity i didn't know what to do obviously and you know they after i think phil and sandy and tag rice you know because back before then they would show an open and non-pro and they were you know slaying it making money on both divisions so they end up making a rule course to the Sandy you, Benelli rule is what they call it. Yeah, you know, I think it was those three, you know, yeah. Sandy, Phil Rapp, and Tag Rice. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd show in both classes, and I know Tag numerous years would make the fraternity finals in both classes. And so we, uh, yeah, I, I took the apprenticeship because I didn't know what to do. You know, I was young. I, he was the only, I wish they would have just let you do it for one horse because he belonged in the, in the open but the rest of my horses didn't belong in the open you know <laughs> so after that um i did that for a year um i think i went to augusta maybe got second then uh, that was when you know augusta was huge and then we went to tunica mississippi i think i won tunica that's a hell of a run that's a video that goes around a lot too, yeah tunica run. and that really was a great run and I, yeah i tell you what was so great about it i knew when i got that pin's huge like fort worth it's a big pin Pat Earnhardt put it on, did an amazing job because he'd go hand select those cows for the finals, and it was all these bramers. And you know, you're like, you have a horse like Spot, and the finals come around, you get a decent good draw, you're just grinning because you know that man, these are right up his alley. This is his strength, and uh, it was a great run. And um, it, so I I did the apprentice for a year, and I didn't know what to do at the end of that year because I knew that Spot belonged in that open. But I knew me financially and business-wise didn't belong right there at that point in time, so I ended up going back to the non-pro for the next two years, and um, you know and that's sh- spot never showed another open class after that the five and six-year-old year, and um, the last show I showed him at was his six-year-old year at the Silverado, and that was it. So the '04. Um Futurity non-pro that was the year Bo was reserve on Highlight Cat um, what do you remember about Highlight Cat and Bo I guess both of you guys have an unbelievable three-year-olds at that year's Futurity yeah well we we saw Highlight Cat in um, Texas and um, I had spot I raised him and so it was back in February his three-year-old year somewhere in that time frame and 
And so I believe me and dad went ahead and, and partnered and, and, and bought him. So I had Highlight Cat in spot. And later that year, you know, I feel like Bo went with me the year before and, you know, to help me. I had to go to Reno, Nevada to get Horse of the Year in the non-pro class on High Kitty Kitty. And he, he went with me and he's, you know, helped me with the videos. And, and he's wanting to do the cutting now. And, and I just feel like, um, you know, he needed kind of a bone thrown his way, I guess you would say. And so I ended up giving him Highlight Cat. And, I, you know, it was the greatest thing because not only was he getting a great horse, but looking at that futurity, I don't believe I could have won that futurity on spot if he didn't have that horse, meaning like all year long, that gave us something to kind of compete, you, you know, with watching videos, you know, like pre-working and all those kind of things like that. And like dad had Black Widow and, and she was a great mare. She made the futurity finals and, and did great. And Bo had Highlight Cat, and so it just kind of it fit, and we went into those pre-works, and it, it just helped us, you know, help push me harder and further, you know, to a further place than I believed that I could have got, and I couldn't have got there if Bo wouldn't have had Highlight Cat, and had that great horse, and us working together like that, and help pushing us, and just the competition every single day, and just help push us get to that point that we wanted to be at, and you can always talk about those things. But you can't ever get to those things until you have something help push you there that may be something else. And, and, and that's just competing and um, getting to compete against him. I mean, that's how we looked at it. Like every single day we'd work. I mean, it'd be August, you know, we'd be working cows and we'd film. And it was just like every day, you know, like, hey, he won that day. I won that day. He won that day. You know, like it was just every day we were competing. But at the same time, you know, we would he'd be like, hey, this is what – you know what maybe spot needs to do to be better and same with me like hey this is what highlight cat needs to do to do better and they were two opposite horses that highlight cat was kind of like rolls royce you know he'd just get down there and get fancy and steal all kinds of points you know and spot was more just grip it and rip it kind of horse you know and uh so yeah that was a big part of winning that futurity as well is just the competitiveness of going against Every day. Well, I think it's super cool too, just to that relationship that you guys have. And I remember Bo saying uh, on the podcast when he came on how he pretty much gives you credit for getting him excited again for the horses. So I think it's super cool that you guys have fed off one another for so long. And I think there's a lot of horse trainers in this industry that are probably pretty upset with you that you got Bo Gallion super excited about training horses and coming and kicking everybody's ass, that's for sure. Yeah, no, and it's absolutely, and I, and, I, and that's what it's all about. I feel like every situation you have or people in general, you, you take advantage of having people around you. You know, there's nothing better than, you know, getting to compete with, with Bo and my dad and, and even like Lloyd Cox now, you know, like pre-works and everything like that. I mean, you know, people – you know want to look at it in a negative this or that but like use that that's a positive situation use all that stuff to your benefit to help you improve and and then it you know a lot so many times of winning this show these big stakes shows like i mean it, it comes down to so much horsepower i mean still to this day i mean what was that show 13 15 years ago i won it on i mean still to this day he was the best horse i ever had going in the futurity and you know he wins it and i think bo with metallic cats same thing i mean best horse he's had and goes in it and wins it and Lloyd you know I mean that's and that's just the caliber of horses it takes to be at that be at that level and whether or not you do it or not who knows but it, it takes a great horse 
to uh, get there and have that opportunity to put yourself and know that you can win it. Well, you've had 12 head of horses go over 100,000 cent spots hot, so don't yeah, be, don't be super hard on yourself. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's been a great journey. It's been a great journey, and I've been super blessed to have all the great horses I, I've had in the past. Even though you guys both train for the public now, meaning you and Bo, and at the time you guys were both non-pros, do you guys still get together and video and talk about stuff like you used to or is it kind of every man for himself now no no yeah we still do you know just like this year and last year you know we you know he come up to my house uh, I think three or four times this year in the last 60 days and you know we've worked and you know we video and we watch and and we can you know still the same kind of deal you know we did it back then every single day and we needed that to be able especially at a young age to be able to you know, compete with all those guys that were masters to their craft at that point in time. And so we needed all that edge that we could get, you know, and, you know, so many people, you know, especially back then, you know, telling, you know, with school, hey, you're not going to be, you know, you're not going to be good enough. You, you can't compete in the open. Even when I went open, you're not ready for the open. And, you know, so you hear all that and, you know, it kind of like a lot of people say, you know, it becomes your chip on the shoulder. And, and so, you know, you want to prove so much that you can be there and you belong with anybody and people telling you can't do it it's uh you know it just bites a little bit harder and it makes you push that much harder and uh makes you kind of go that much crazier to try to get to that point that you want to be and and now it's kind of a different chapter in my life i i'm, I'm now more like i feel like i've kind of got there where i wanted to be in my goals and now it's just i really embrace the grind you know like i really embrace getting to go work with lloyd and Bo, and i just i really enjoy it. i really just enjoy working the horses and, and so i don't really have that chip on my shoulder like everybody's telling me i'm not good enough i've got to prove myself and those kind of things like that anymore as much i just i really just enjoy the journey and really embrace the grind that we're getting to go through these pre-works and just think man how blessed are we getting to do this for a living and you know get to go compete at a high level i mean this is awesome well and you all get to do it with your families too I mean, yeah all yeah. your kids bo's kids everybody's everybody's hanging out riding around while y'all are working horses i mean it looks like a whole hell of a lot of fun that's for sure wes what is uh, some advice that you heard from someone whether it had been 20 years ago 10 years ago the other day or five minutes ago yeah uh of of being able to get a horse trained or something that simplified it for you a little more uh, that made things uh, easier? Um, you know, I wish it could be one thing. Uh, I feel like there's always just a lot of past experiences. I, I think the number one thing for me is, like, just getting my horses broke. I, I always felt like, you know, early on, I'd like, you know, you buy a horse, it's a project. Well, if I could just get it broke, I feel like then I could succeed or whatever it may be. So I think the biggest thing is just getting a horse broke where I can kind of put it wherever I want to put it now, I feel like is always helps me. But at the same time, there's, there's a super fine line because people can get them too broke and worried about the rider. So it's all got to be cow related. I mean, they've got to take over. It's got to be all them. But then, you know, if you need to help them in that time, for, you know, then be able to help them with your feet or what have you broke that kind of sums up your horses to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's just one of the things i've noticed and i mean I, I don't train horses i don't see myself training horses but for as long as i've been coming to these deals i mean 
your horses just are pretty to pretty to watch work and I don't know they're broke as a joke <laughs> what is and it, it may be a spot top but what and you may be a horse that you didn't end up winning a whole lot of money on but what is a horse that you felt was uh, had a lot to offer but you had a difficult time getting it showed on a consistent basis and that's obviously not spot on on that no I, I think that's a great question I, I would go ahead and say it was spot because he was so great especially after the futurity I don't know if I could ever do that again that run but then there was so much after that you know that just now you're kind of thrown to the wolves and here you go to every show and you know here's these masters doing it they they're savvy and they're doing it you know time and time again and um, you know, like the Super Stakes, I bombed out on spot the Super Stakes and the BI, you know, and, and those, and it was just because of experience, you know, there were so many things, and so I felt like that, I, I felt like I failed him, I, you know, he went on to win, you know, people always laugh about that, but he went on to win, you know, 530,000 or whatever it was, but I just, you know, I felt like he was a type of horse after I won the Futurity that I knew that he could win a Triple Crown, I, I believe that in my heart, and talent-wise, he was. The reason he didn't was because of me, you know. And then at the Derby, I ended up getting third place, and I had a reigning point on one of my cuts, you know. And that was because of me. And so that, yeah, it'd be him as well too, because he deserved to be that good at every shingle show he went to. And sometimes I would fill him, but you know, I was just thankful for the opportunity to just to get to have him. Do you have any like cool stories about like? I'll just name some of these. Whether it's like Thundercat, I mean, you won three hundred thousand on that one. Yeah, it was he was great. Uh, Thundercat, uh, Matt Miller trained him, did a great job with him. Matt's, you know, of course, you know Matt. He's he's a great guy and he's a great trainer. And uh, I think he trained him. It won a hundred thousand on him, or maybe a hundred and ten, or right in that ballpark. I don't know exactly. And I bought him. We bought him for Stephen Finer at the beginning of his five-year-old year, and. Um, I think that horse was just kind of hitting his peak, and that horse was a tremendous athlete and um, real cow smart on the cow. And and I think he went on to win a little over three hundred thousand. And we just we had a great time. I love that horse. He was big stop, big move. Could really, you know, I could really try to get up on him and really go expose his talent and just really try to expose him. And you couldn't hardly expose him. I, mean, I could really push him to the limits, and he was he loved it there. So, I think something that's pretty cool is your dad still shows up here to the Futurity every year, and whether he's showing one of yours or Bo's or Lloyd's, uh, some of the times he looks just as good as y'all up there. <laughs> uh, I just, it's crazy to me just to, to see him year in and year out catch riding one of y'all's horses and, uh, and doing well on him. Just as a horse trainer and a horseman and the knowledge he has about cutting horses just what what is it about Jody Gallion that makes him still come here and compete at a high level you know my dad he's just he's always been I say like a savvy veteran you know like he's just uh when it comes to horse showing and and stepping through the herd and making decisions he's he's just always been very smart and savvy and he just he will not expose himself meaning like hey if you're you know trying to go for an eagle no no this par is good you know like i mean and so he's just smart and savvy and that just goes a long ways and now that 
you know, he gets to catch on, you know, catch ride him. It, it even sometimes makes it easier for him because he doesn't. He's just like I didn't train it. You know, yeah. it's either going to be Wes's fault or <laughs> Lloyd's fault or Bo's fault. And now I'm just going to get up there and see what these things are made of, and you know, go do it. But th- I think that's it. He's just he's really smart, and he's just a really savvy veteran. And you know, he just always kind of keeps sneaking in there. How excited were you when X's and O's was getting down and dirty during those derby finals? Oh man, that that I tell you, that was so exciting. Get to see in the corner and getting to watch that, and get to see the look on Dad's face during the run. You know, you could tell he's just like so into it, and just that mare and the crowd was so behind him. That mare's on her belly doing. I mean, it was just it's kind of like one of those things. You know, like I told you that feeling I had when I won the Futurity on spot you know just getting to see him kind of do those things like you're sitting in a corner and you just you get that same kind of just awesome great feeling of man this is why we love cutting so much what a awesome deal and this feels so great to get to see that and witness that and he's still coming to be able to physically do these things what what are some horses that are your favorite throughout the years that you've competed against Oh, man, I tell you, there's a lot. I mean, every single year there's a lot of great horses. Um, you know, I loved, uh, you know, of course, when Spot was that age, you know, of course I loved getting to go against Quentin Blue and one-time um, Pepto. Yep. And uh, th- those were some great, great battles. I, I remember one time um, uh, we were in Vegas, I think, and Matt was in the first bunch. I was in the second bunch. He marked 25 on one time and had a great run. and spot was able to go mark a 28 and i think that was the only time we got to uh maybe meet in the you know in the finals both horses were actually in those finals and uh so that you know that was cool there were so many you know metallic cat even though i didn't have a horse to kind of really match i've tried it you know i had hang him cat mm-hmm. which was pretty good at the time and he was he was a good one but you know Bo kind of got me on that deal and i, I think i was first at tunica on hang him cat and Bo was second on metallic cat and then we went uh, to the BI and and uh, I think I ended up going in the first set and he was in the second set and I think I marked a 24, 25, six somewhere in there and then Bo's in the second and then marks a 28 on Metallic Cat and I get second. You know, it it's hard to say that because that horse was so great and and getting to see Metallic Rebel too. I think that was, um, I, you know, I didn't have anything to really put. I mean, not many people ever did. Yeah. You know, that horse was so special. Um, to go head to head with that horse, um, he he was about as complete as any horse you could ever go against. Uh, Metallic Rebel was he just whether it was a slow cow or fast cow. I mean, he just the horse had no weaknesses at all. He was he was great, and that Super Six run that he had, uh, I think that was you know another thing. Like you were talking about, Dad Nexus nose, just such a great feeling. I remember sitting in the corner um, when Bo won it on Metallic Rebel there at that that five-year-old year is super stakes and we talked about these cows and i remember the yellow cow was second you know and it was over my corner so i go to bumper to kind of push her out you know and i mean as soon as i bumped her she just whipped around really fast and i thought oh my god you know like i don't want to be the person to tell him not to cut this cow now and and but i remember when i thought that this cow is kind of a lot the first go around i believe it was on rebel there at that same show we cut this gray bramer's worst cow in the herd put his tail up try to run him over 
wall to wall. And I remember after that, I felt like, man, this is gonna be easy picking cows now. If that horse just handled that and we survived that, we've got it. So I didn't want to be the guy to kind of call him off. And I was like, yeah, here's your yellow cow, you know? And he starts driving her up and I'm, you know, a little bit worried. But then when he cuts her, that cow was just, uh, it was it was amazing. It made to run and uh, had amazing picture on that cow. And it was just an awesome feeling getting to watch in the corner, him win that show. And, you know, all the work that's, you know, he's been highly successful um, since then. But, it, you know, it was kind of a grind to get to where he was at there for that, with that horse. And, and then um, after that, some of the great horses that kind of, he got in to his place that he did really well on as well. Would you say you're more wound up watching cows say for Bo or Jody or, or your wife Kristen or are you more wound up when you're getting ready to go down and show? Uh, I don't, you know that's a great question too. I, it's maybe all equal you know because you want to see everybody do good and you know so many times it's you know it's like playing poker you know it's you're trying to read you don't know you know how that cow is going to be you're just trying to read it like you're reading another person uh, so you sure think and hope and you know of course you're you know your your wife's going you always want to do good and um I, yeah it's just you're always wanting to to pick some great cows for everybody and sometimes when i just go you know especially of late I, you know i try to just like hey it's going to be what it's going to be and just go let it rip and if it don't work it don't work but don't sweat it too much amen i feel like i haven't watched cows for other people very much but i've been more nervous when i've done that and had to sit in the herd and like you're saying tell people you know maybe having to call bow off that cow because yeah. of what it just did then when it's actually me down there because when it's me i feel like i got the bridle reins and i'm going to make the decision if i think it feels bad when i'm walking up there then yeah then, then that's then that's on me or if and and i feel like it, it'd be more nerve nerve-wracking for me telling somebody else my opinion on the cow because at the end of the day they got the bridle range. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point too, and it, it is. I know several times, especially Bo in these last few years, has had some tremendous horses with Metallic Rebel and and Stevie Ray Vaughan and and Rolls Royce, and it's like, hey, you're, it's your turn, and we start to say, okay, you know, and he's like, you know, hey, do you 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 believe in this cow? You think this is cow, and so it's like your word that you're given for that cow, and you're thinking, oh my, you know, like I hope it don't do us wrong you know so that makes you nervous especially you know because sometimes it does go south and then you're like man i like that cow i'm sorry i don't know why that cow was so bad but that's this you know this sport you know it's you don't know exactly until you go and do it and that's why it's so important having people down there that you're comfortable with and you're comfortable with their opinion and and how they feel about cows so that way when they say that you say oh if he says it then it you know? Yeah, and, and that's the thing is, listen, we're we're on a team, and I've had the same team I've had since I've started, I think, and it's like, hey, they're going to make mistakes. I'm going to make mistakes. Everybody's going to make mistakes. That's just the way it's going to be, and you just try to narrow down your mistakes. Let's of, go down swinging. Yeah, you know, and so it's just everybody tries to be on the same page when you're going down there. So that way, if we lose, we know that we're prepared and we did everything we can to know to try to succeed while we're down there and you know and then lloyd you know like he's that's why he's so great you know like he's he's a master down there in the herd because it's like everybody's like why, why is he so great you know this that I'm like you know he has those cows and then he kind of gets down there and he does a lot of feel and a lot of reading those cows and he won't super commit to that cow until 
it just really shows that that cow is really good and that's why he's like so cautious in that herd and that's why he's won nine million dollars too i mean he's <laughs> just he's the goat <laughs> yeah you know i mean he's he's great and lloyd i you know I, you can't ever have enough great you know stories about him he was you know he was probably one of the only people when i quit college that you know everybody kept giving me a hard time and just giving me a hard time and i just you know like man i just want everybody just leave me alone like i'm not going back to school just this is what i want to do can we just embrace that and move forward you know kind of thing and you know, Lloyd was, I didn't know Lloyd, and he's just like, oh, man, don't sweat that. He's just like, you know, just, hey, you can go do your thing. You're going to be great and go do your thing. And it's like the first person that was just like, like he went out of his way to, like, you know, say nice things about, to you and encourage you and, and everything like that. And I think that's been Lloyd's deal, you know. Like he's, yeah, he's the best and all that, but he, he I feel like he's always been everybody's big brother in this deal. You know, like he's always – never has a negative thing whether somebody crosses him or not he never has a negative thing to say about anybody and everybody can always go to lloyd to ask for help or you know whether it's in your life or horses and everything like that i know uh so yeah lloyd's always just been like everybody's big brother i feel like in this deal and he and to me like the backbone of this industry meaning like I mean, you kind of think about it. Like, everybody's like, well, why is Lloyd the best? Like, what's he do? Like, listen, he does everything. Like, I mean, you know, at these shows, I mean, he's up at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning working all these horses, and then he helps every single open trainer, every single non-pro trainer, every single amateur trainer. And then when the show's done, he's out there working flag on some other horses, and and that's what he does in repeat just every single day. And, and you know, he's always there for everybody. So I always say, you know, like he's he's the backbone of this industry. If, if we got a problem with NCHA, he should be the first one we should be calling because he's, you know, at every – point don't tell your sister a, that yeah don't love yeah. your sister here. Yeah. 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 i don't want to hear that yeah. yeah we might we might edit that part out she would be pissed. yeah yeah that's funny yeah that's great but that's funny i do agree with you on that <laughs> yeah oh well guys this has been really fun wesley thanks so much for coming by the section k podcast been an absolute pleasure to finally get you on the show once and for all um I know the people absolutely enjoyed that interview. So once again, man, thank you so much for uh, coming by and uh, can't thank you enough. Yeah. Thank you guys for uh, having me. It's been an honor to get to be on the show and, and hopefully there will be some things in the future I can do to maybe get back on. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Thanks, Thanks Wesley. Wesley. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thank you. Again, big congratulations and big thanks to Mr. Wesley Gallion. Congrats on going over $4 million in the Cutting Horse Arena, and thank you so much for coming by the Section K podcast during the 2019 World Championship Futurity. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. We'll be seeing you all down the road. Tom Lyons, 2020. Adios. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) 